Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pop culture, subculture, music, horror, sex, politics, art, and overall bad ass. This is Society 13, redefining podcasting. Music. Music. Horror. Horror. Subculture. And overall bad ass. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Kettle, to Kettle Whistle, Whistle Radio. Radio. With your hosts, your hosts Dave, Dave and Sean. Hey, what's new? What's new? What's new? What's old is what's new? How you doing? Like that new Halloween movie. That was pretty darn good. Let's see. Got big shows coming up. Meg Lee Chin from the Pig Face Days. You remember her? Uh, we've got her on the next episode. Um, but for now, really, what's new? Um, who is Lexi Carver? Who is Lexi Carver? Uh, we're going to find that out today, tonight, whenever you listen to this. Uh, we'll get into that. I'm finally, uh, let's see, I'm caught up on Attack on Titan. Season 3 was pretty darn good. I like the ending to that, kind of. Didn't like the second season as much. Great stuff. And I'm getting caught up on Gundam Seed, meaning I went back to watch it because I missed it. And uh, Ministries on tour. And with my favorite new band, new favorite band, um, these guys, Alien Weaponry. It's two brothers. They've been playing, I think they're like 15 years old or something like that. And, uh, and the drummer is their friend. Uh, New Zealand guys, and they make a lot of noise for three guys. Um, beautiful metal, I will say, and it is metal, but it, it's just incredibly melodic. And damn, you can't beat those beats; they're incredible. All right, so Lexi Carver on Kettle Whistle Radio coming up. Hey there, this is Corinne from Collide, and this is Static. And you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Folks, friends, and fiends, welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. We have a newcomer to the show today, Lexi Carver, a published horror author who writes short stories that pack a gallop. And yes, that is a quote, folks. 
and I am so pleased to have her on the show. And uh, it came with apologies, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Lexi, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? All right. Surviving the Nor'easter. That is coming. Okay, yeah, we're in Pittsburgh. We got hit with it, so you guys are going to get it. It's just a lot of ice, really. <laughs> Nothing you're not used to. All right, so we met on Twitter, kind of where a lot of artists tend to meet, and I tend to troll to find musicians, and every now and then I find a really cool author. And um, I don't know where to begin with you, except that your life began in the horror realm with Goosebumps? Uh, yes, it did, actually. Okay, can you go on with that? Sure. Um, yeah, horror got into me early. I started watching Goosebumps, and I was hooked from just a few episodes. <laughs> I will always remember it came from beneath the sink. <laughs> nice. Nice. Wow, did that scare me as a child. I was afraid of the people around me looking like loved ones, but being monsters instead. <laughs> Thanks, R.L. Stein. <laughs> R.L. Stein. I was jealous of him when I graduated college. I was like, man, I missed the boat on this completely because I was in, in college when all that was happening. And it, what a great, I, what I would love to have had that venue as a child. Instead, I had to really, really look. At, like I say, I like to quote Rob Zombie on the approach to look. You had to find these things on TV to watch them. Um, and books, well, they were they were easier to obtain. And as for you, what did you pick up a book after that? Did you delve into horror more? I think there was a slasher on your list. Uh, yeah. Um, well, branching off of Goosebumps, I progressed into reading horror originally, starting with uh, the Choose Your Own Adventure Goosebumps books by nice. R.L. Stein. That's awesome. And no matter which path I chose, I always ended up dying. But I really <laughs> enjoyed the journey. <laughs> and I would visualize very clearly what my character was experiencing, so I think that helped develop my imagination. I totally agree with you. Now, I did have those. Uh, in the early 80s, they started those deals, and I loved them. They did get me started. A lot of people started, then D&D &D came along, um, Dungeons & Dragons, for all you newbies out there. Uh, Role-playing games, which are now all mostly video games, but the RPGs are out there. And comic books just inspired the writer within us all. And we are all writers, as far as I'm concerned. Some are better than others, that's all. And uh, I think I have a live one here with Lexi, who I, I had to apologize. And this, this ties into the episode prior to you, Lexi. Um, I had um, Katie McGuire on. She's an actor, producer, director, has her own series, L.I. Divas. She will be joining our network, too, with her own podcast. However, I... I tuned into her. We were supposed to do the, have a meeting, and she just wasn't there. wasn't there, and she came up with the term, well, I Long Island you. I was like, yeah, I know. That's why I left Long Island, because the women there tend to do that. Now I did it to a very nice lady here, Lexi Carver. I'm so sorry for standing you up yesterday, and you you even had your dog, like, what, you had, had him put in a kennel for the day or walking or... Uh, well, I, I had some. I had. Uh, I was able to organize some people to watch him. And I'm so, so he sorry. Would be alone, and, you know. I put you so out. that I would be able to um, have dog-free barking time. I, lo I Long Island you, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's quite right. Yeah, it's not my term. That's a Katie term. Anyway, all right. So moving on. Let's get on with uh, what? What? What are your guilty pleasures? Do you like anime, toys, weird music? Um, guilty pleasures. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I watch horror a lot, um, and I like to listen to indie rock, um, okay. but it's usually darker indie rock, so songs about murderers, psychopaths, I guess that would be my guilty pleasure. I'm with uh, you. Okay. I don't really gravitate towards, um, manga and, um, anime, but I do like graphic novels and comic books. I'm a big Batman and X-Men geek. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, I, nothing wrong with that. And then you have both 
DC and Marvel representing there. So I, I'm proud, proud of that. Um, now, okay, so you have this new book out, and it, uh, you said it came out on Halloween. Yes, correct. It did. Okay, and this is a fine day for murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, into the dark, they came out at the same time. Oh, okay. That, yeah, you did tell me that. That's a bold approach, but why not? Right? You probably had these yeah. things uh, dwelling within you for ten years or so. Yeah. All right. Definitely. Well, talk about it's been a long time coming. I've been writing since Good. I was ten years old. So, you know. So a fine day for murder. Can you give us a little bit on that? I know if you go to our website, folks, there's a little bit bits and pieces on each book, which I really liked. That was really neat. I like that going into this blind because I'm obviously going to be purchasing one of these books, if not both. Um, that's what we do here. But tell me a little bit about um, a fine day for murder. Sure. A fine day for murder is a collection of horror short stories, and they really run the gamut in terms of horror. It's it's horror light, as I like to refer to it as. It's not um, torture porn or anything. It's horror that has a political edge to it or um, a commentary about something or strong female characters. And it's more about the story and the characters than adding you know tons of horror in it, into it. It's more of a horror backdrop so that the characters can explore within it. Cool. Very cool. So it is character-driven. Yes, it is. Um, no, those are my favorites. I, I, I don't like when short stories are bleak, have one character, and it's all about the scenario instead of the person you never get to know. Uh, when you're supposed to, at least when I was taught, you're supposed to focus on the one to three characters that are very important for that 10, 15 pages that you're writing about them. Um, they, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, <laughs> if I must go there, you know, uh, go right to the source. So I'm looking forward to reading your stuff. Um, you brought up a term, and it's a newer term, uh, torture porn, which it's new for me as a term, but when I probably watched a lot of the movies in a time where... You know, right now, the women's movement is even bigger than it was. And we'll go, well, even bringing Me Too, I don't go political on this show. The other shows do. Um, how does that weigh in now that torture porn is, a, porn is a term, and yet we have this huge female movement in art and entertainment? How do we parallel that? Is there a way? Um, well, I think that women and men see horror in different ways. True. And where men choose to go for gore, guts, and torture, women may gravitate towards stories that speak to their experiences like family, children, and love and weave those into horror. Mm-hmm. They use horror as a way to talk about things as an allegory for problems or experiences they have. Mm-hmm. So their horror isn't just horror on the face of it. It has a layer of truth and criticism to it. Yes. And a perfect example of that would be the Babadook. Yeah. I, Thank you. you. Katie said that that movie keeps coming up. I've watched it like five times. Love it. Me too. I think women generally use horror to expand on the genre, but they don't pigeonhole themselves to be dictated by it. They use it to tell their own stories. Yes. So I don't think, but I don't want to lump all women into um, one sort of category because I feel like, you know, we're branching and we're opening up the genre to mean a lot of different things. Right. Okay. No, I, I'm totally with you on that. Babadook is strong. Now that was directed by a woman, correct? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. Yes. And there's a few. It was also written by her too. That's uh, there's quite a few popping up now that I'm really enjoying on Netflix that were directed by women. And I do say this because I put a collection together. And this is I'm not trying to make this about me. It's just that the girls that I put into this anthology, um, Fiends of the Flesh, the two girls wrote like the two most visceral stories. And one is absolutely hysterically funny and violent, and the other one is just really as dark as you possibly can go as a woman in the position that this woman was in. Um, incredible. Like they think 
these girls thought differently than the guys. The six guys are in the book with me, and uh, I always found that. And you had, did you have to do something with clowns? Yes, I did. You did. There are several stories with clowns. Okay, well, yeah, and one of them is actually hilarious. Well, one of the, yeah, one of the, one of the stories that I'm talking about, Michelle Bowser wrote, is a clown versus mime road story where they battle each other. What is with you girls and clowns? <laughs> All right, <laughs> go ahead. I want to hear this. Uh, my clown story, you mean? Yeah, you bet. Um, well, Bobo the clown. I don't want to give too much away about the ending, but um, he's a very hilarious character, and actually. The, the idea for the story came first with the character. So I, ha I had an idea to make a really malevolent clown, hilariously funny and sort of a klutz. <laughs> so he's trying to get the souls of children, but he's always falling down, falling into glass, being ridiculed. Um, it's hard being being a demon clown, you know. So the Inspector and, Clouseau of clowns? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of. But he's murderous. And so it's it's sort of it's very tongue in cheek. And I feel like it's sort of the story wrote itself um, and there's lots of layers to the clown and he's trying to prove to the other uh, demons that he can be like a really capable monster. But is he? Probably not. Hmm. So it's it's a fun story. Well, my filmmaker friends out there, I hope you're listening because this sounds like a really valuable commodity right now for a short film <laughs> or maybe uh, an anthology of films. Uh, yeah, we have a few that listen, so I'm just saying. That, that alone, and when you say the story wrote itself, I totally understand that, and those are the best stories. Definitely. Meant to be written. Absolutely. Um, do you have a favorite monster? And don't just say the people monster. A lot of people answer that one. Outside of people. <laughs> um, favorite monster? Uh... I think, I mean, I've written uh, several vampire stories, and I like twisting what vampires mean and the culture around vampires. I mm -hmm. feel like, I know that's been done many times before, but I feel like there's a lot of depth there and a lot of social criticism that you can add into vampires. And there's, there's the addiction theme. I have political themes in mind. So I feel like there's a lot that can be done there. So I, I like vampires. Okay. Well, just one more question before we take a quick break here. I, I need to know this. Um, the first, what was the first thing you said you read or watched? Something that you watched that you felt like you shouldn't be watching it, and it gave you that that creepy feeling of ooh. So this is what horror really is. It, it was there that that pivotal moment. Well, that actually relates to the first horror film I ever saw when I was eleven, which was the slasher. I know what you did last summer. Ah. Given my age, I definitely should not have been watching that. Interesting. Um, but I needed to know what was going to happen next and how the Females were going to foil the villain, and I was really excited. I was yelling at the screen, and actually, there's a really funny experience. I was super scared of men in black raincoats, and I was running home from school when I noticed there was a guy in a black raincoat running behind me. And you know, it was raining out. It's not weird to wear a black raincoat, but after seeing the movie, I was like, "No, I'm not dying today." And a policeman strolled up to me, and he said, "Is someone following you?" And he was also wearing a black raincoat. Oh my and God. I wanted to say, uh, no, I'm not okay. The the villain from the horror movie is following me. But of course I didn't, and I just ran off. But I think from that moment, I realized that I really like to be afraid, which is an odd thing to like, but I really am addicted to the adrenaline rush from being afraid. 
I'm telling you. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's it's an adrenaline rush all its own. It's a drug all its own. And uh, yeah, people yeah. That, that don't that aren't in the know, they'll never understand it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's funny that you should say that movie. You're not gonna believe this. Um, this will date me a little bit. I have the paperback novel volume of uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer by Lois Duncan. Um, this came Uh-oh. out, yeah, man, this was one of those pocket books way back when I was in like elementary school going into junior high. I want to look at the Isbin date here and all that. Um, I'm going to really, yeah, but I own that paperback. So I actually own, that was one of the first ones I've read. One of the first movies you saw 1973, this book was published. How wow. About, isn't that weird? Wow. I, it that, is. that just yeah. surprised me. I, it's been sitting in my office here for all these years, but I enjoyed it. And it, it's very watered down compared to the movie you saw. <laughs> <laughs> very yeah it was one of those scholastic books you know so like maybe somebody dies maybe <laughs> but all right we're gonna get back here with uh lexi carver unless she just fell down what was that <laughs> you all right over there yeah i'm good <laughs> okay we'll get right back with her after these uh well let's play a song you know what i, I told her i was gonna play with one of my female something from our female library here and uh this is actually famous monsters are you familiar with white zombie back in the day yeah. Uh, Sean Usall, bass player. Yeah. Yeah, she has this punk rock band called Famous Monsters, and we oh. are allowed to play their stuff. And she was on the show a while back. I know I brag about it too much, folks. Let's listen to uh, F is for Fiend, all right, by Famous Monsters.
I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Still here? Okay. Let's play a game. <laughs> I'm back with author Lexi Carver, horror author. I always have to say the horror author thing because you're not just an author. Um, maybe one day you'll branch into other things. Maybe you've done other things. We'll get to that. But in the meantime, you were talking about a favorite author. Yes. Um, I love Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Lovecraft, but the author that continuously... I, I almost choked. I'm sorry. I almost choked. H.P. Lovecraft is one of my favorites too. Go, go. <laughs> that continuously inspires me would have to be Ray Bradbury hands down. I know a lot of people know him as a science fiction writer, and yes, he did write that, but he also wrote a considerable number of horror stories, especially short stories, which is my favorite type of story. I gravitate towards those over novels, and I will always remember Marionette's Inc. It's an absolutely chilling story, and it has a bite of criticism to it about gender roles and especially marriage roles. The story stays with you. It's in the compilation The Illustrated Man, I also reread Something Wicked This Way Comes every couple of years, and I see different facets of the story and get inspired again to write something. I'm so I'm Ray Bradbury is definitely my go-to author. I was applauding you. <laughs> Thank Man. you. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Very good choices. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft actually got me started. Um, just Honestly, just the whole anything goes aspect of it. It was like taking Edgar Allan Poe and putting him in this world where any monster can come out of any sink at any time. And I just, I mean, I love the Lovecraft stuff. And I know that it's, um, it, it is very self-centered writing like Poe, but he, he, man, the creatures he created are just unbelievable. Definitely. And the descriptions. Oh, my God. The themes and the monsters of everything. It's very, very rich. So you are a monster girl. I am. Yeah. All right. See any good monsters lately? It's been a while since there's been a good monster film. It's been a while. I mean, I liked the redo of, of the movie It. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Definitely, yeah. Very I like, scary. I like that a lot. Than the original, even though I love Tim Curry, I feel like the original, like the original was good, but the remake is really, really something. Yes, yeah, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, Next to the Stand, I love that. And I mean, there's a whole slew. I don't want to get into that. I talk about it on here too much. But um, yeah, as for you now, um, let's see here. We were talking about Fine Day for Murder. Now, Into the Night. That's your other book. 
Into the Dark. Into the Dark. I'm sorry. Into the Night. Wow. That you know what? I'm looking. I'm sitting here staring at a book called Into the Night by somebody else. My <laughs> fault. Okay. But yeah, Into the Dark. Now that's more short stories and poems, or is it just poems? Um, it's just poems. It's 72 poems, and they run the gamut between. I mean, it's all horror poetry, but some of them are memoirs against a horror back, uh, backdrop. So what that means is I'm writing about a lost love or a painful breakup, and I'm using metaphors like demons and uh, devils and stuff to explain and work through my emotional baggage, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, and some of them are actually horror poems about monsters, and some of them are are told from the point of view of the stalker or the psychotic, and some of them are told from the point of view of the victim. Wow. I'm totally intrigued. I'm definitely, that'll probably be, I'll probably read that one first, to be honest with you. That one just totally, you stole the show with that one. Um, oh, and also, I totally forgot to mention, my photography and my drawings are also in that book, too. Awesome. Okay, so you do that, you do everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's nifty if you don't have to go find a photographer or, and I can't complain. I have a lot of good friends that are helping me out with this next one I'm doing. But yes, uh, it's nice when you can do it all. I mean, that's, that's ex extremely talented. Did you do photography before writing, or were you writing first? Um... Well, around the same time as I was writing, I started writing when I was 10, and I did photography around that time too, but it was just with, uh, back in the day, it was with those disposable cameras. Um, okay. But I would always take pictures of like falling leaves and trees, and um, yeah, I, I love taking pictures of scenery. And now I can actually edit it so that the pictures I'm taking is, have a much darker feel to them. That, okay, so back to the Goosebumps thing, honestly. Now, you said you had 134 fan fiction stories? Yes. Now, is it Goosebumps related, all Crowley related? Because I know you're a Mark Shepard fan, I believe. Yes, a big Mark Shepard fan. Me too. Um, actually, uh, around 80 of them are about Crowley, and the rest of them, uh, some of them are about Gabriel, some of them are about uh, Castiel, and the rest are about Dean and Sam. Wow. Okay. No, we're we're fans in this house. Um, I, you know, I had to convert some people, but um, it, you know, after what they have ridiculous like eleven seasons, fourteen seasons. I don't even know now. Yeah. But <laughs> great show. So yeah. So you definitely uh, you cut your teeth writing the fan fiction. Well, I uh, started writing fan fiction because I absolutely love Crowley. He's a <laughs> one in a million kind of character. Yes. And I wanted to write Crowley fan fiction as a way to keep my beloved character around, no spoilers, <laughs> and to fix episodes that I felt the writers could have done better for him. And I've been writing since I was 10 years old, but life got in the way and I thought that writing would be a hobby. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing fan fiction as a way to keep my writing fresh and sort of develop as a writer. And then I noticed I really love write writing. So why can't I just like make writing my full-time job and devote all of my time and energy to that? God so I have you. Crowley to actually thank for that. Yeah. Um, and I have many loyal fans on Tumblr that actually know me as the Queen of Hell. So the Queen says hi, guys. <laughs> well, uh, you know, honestly, like uh, when I dove into this this, ep this episode with you, um, not knowing a whole lot about you, but I could tell right away that this was going to be interesting. And it also these things it helps me, um, let's say, replenish my library. And especially with you know musicians, I get their music, you know, and it opens me up to new things. Now you're opening yourself up to a whole new crowd, my crowd, and maybe I, I have a feeling some will cross over. Trust me, there's probably a few out there that already know who you are and are already reading you, and they're going to tell me, Dave, what the hell is wrong with you? You know, and I get that a lot, and I'm okay with that. Now, back to Mark Shepard. Um, are you a fan of the person? 
Or are you? Yes, I am. I actually had the pleasure of uh, meeting him at awesome. several cons. Um, and he is just an absolute pleasure to meet. He loves meeting the fans. And I got to ask a couple of questions. And he was it was just a great experience. And did you catch him on Battlestar Galactica? Uh, I did. I did, actually, yes. What a great character, all the way up until the final moment. And I'm not going to spoil that either. <laughs> it has to do with yep. a cane, a certain cane. That is a spoiler, yep. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you get your best ideas from moments in time spontaneously writing them down or your best works you think skeletal, like skeletal plans? I build, I, I build a skeleton and fill it in. Um, how about you? Where do you go with that? Uh, it depends on the story, really. Um, so I watch horror movies all the time, literally, and I'm uh, constantly bouncing around ideas, but I let the idea percolate in my brain. Uh, I might flesh it out a little bit and think about it in a dream, but the, I let the story comes. Uh, I let the story come to me as it wants to come to me. And the only time I really outline a story is if I have the idea for the ending first. Uh, an example of that would be: uh, "Be careful what you wish for," and I don't want to give anything away, so I can't really. Tell about uh, tell anything about that story because it's a big twist. I don't want to ruin it. That's but cool. I uh, came up with the end first, and so I needed to sort of work backwards and create a whole story around that. So I really needed to outline it to know what was going to happen. Um, but usually, I just let the characters sort of come to me and tell me how they want to write the story. And so it starts with the character, and then the story sort of progresses out of it. And I don't do an outline. I just start writing. Same here. Oh, I love it. I, I love it. And I, you know what? You just cured my uh, psychosis. I thought I had issues. Now we both do. <laughs> <laughs> um, now this thing we on the show with uh, I do with Sean. He's not here right now. Uh, was founded by me and uh, another girl at the time. But our. our me and Sean also, and Heather back in the day, we love female artists on the show, we, and we have a thing for female singers, guitarists, musicians, writers. Do you have any influences in that realm as far as like um, uh, musicians or other female writers that make you up your game, we'll say? Um, well, I love the song Terrible Things by April Smith and The Great Picture Show. That's one of my all-time favorite songs. Hmm. And... Uh, I really like the music video as well because she blends horror with a very tongue-in-cheek sort of comedic timing and, um, I don't know, it's just really, really brilliant. And uh, a lot of her songs are darker songs as well, so April Smith is definitely my go-to for dark songs. And also Lindy Ortega, who sings songs about demons and the supernatural and murders exclusively. Um, but I gravitate towards indie rock in general, mm -hmm. sung by women, um, usually that are feminist songs or darkly inclined songs, shall we say. But I have a playlist on Spotify of 300 songs that I carefully chose uh, that I think is a good amalgamation of the types of songs I like. And a lot of those are women. A lot of them are strong uh, feminist ballads. And yeah, I think uh, music definitely inspires me. Were you ever a musician yourself? Uh, no, I actually come from a family of musicians. But... Interesting. Okay. So what do they think about your writing? Uh, they're really over the moon with it, and they're so excited, and um, they can't wait to see what comes next. You're lucky. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I mean, to have friends and family behind you like that, that is key. I mean, you get, and definitely... 
if I have one word of advice, I'm pretty sure I'm a lot older than you. Um, just you got to cut the the dead weight and get rid of it. Anything negative around you, you have enough negative in your head that you're writing down. <laughs> Hence the stories. But the people that are bringing you down, yeah, just cut them loose. That's good advice. It's it's unfortunately very true. I never wanted to believe that comes with age, <laughs> and um, well experience let's see here i do want to ask you this and i ask all writers and some musicians this one depending on how they are with their music um do you have a process a writing process um i like with me it's coffee music complete darkness um a lot of coffee i love, I love my caffeine when i'm doing that uh, how about you well i'm a coffee addict so my policy is to always keep the coffee coming mm-hmm. and no talkie before coffee that's like my that's literally my policy but my creative process is more about the right music and getting into the right mindset so that my imagination can take over. An idea for a story forms in my mind, and I think about it during the day and try and focus on it while I'm dreaming. Hmm. And then I just sit with it. And I watch horror films, I read horror, and I just wait until the story is ready to be told. And it, it's I can't really describe it, but no, I just I get feel it. in my bones that I know that I have to sit down and write it now. And when I do... I have to listen to a certain playlist to get the ideas flowing. And the playlist changes based on what I'm writing about. If I'm writing a strong female lead that will survive until the end, feminist songs would be best. But if it's a character study of a serial killer, for example, darker songs, murder ballads, psychotic love songs, etc., would be the best to put me in the right mindset. Once my headphones are on, I'm tuned out to the rest of the world, and I just start to see what I'm writing. Good. Like a little movie playing in my head. I love it. I love it. That I think I spent half my life that way. I mean, with the headphones. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I love it. So that is your process. All right. And yep. you do watch tons of horror movies. I, good. Again, this is helping me because <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Late at night, you know, I usually 1130 when everything's quiet in the house. I just got that's when I, I tune in and I won't go to bed until I finish it. I, I don't care what kind of day I'm going to have the next day. But I have to finish watching even the bad ones. There are some, though, I like a lot of indie films myself, but I even I have to draw the line at some where, you know, just gratuitous blood, guts and boobs, you know, in the first 10 minutes, you're like, oh, you already set the standard for boredom for me. Um, I feel the same way. But for me, uh, as a writer, it's really the the dialogue. If the dialogue oh, is man. so painful yeah. in the first five minutes, I can't do it. Oh, absolutely. The biggest, uh, yes, the biggest, uh, biggest one ever. And this, I think this kind of stopped happening in the past ten years, maybe, where um, somebody gets killed during a party. They find the body, but the party still carries on. You know, oh, you know, no problem. Um, unless you make that the story that they're hiding this crime, <laughs> that's, that's such, you're insulting your audience. You know. Yeah, definitely. Totally, totally. Um, let's see. I, we're on, on the next episode, and I hope you do listen to it, I want to tell you, it's all about strong females. We're having musician Meg Lee, Meg Lee Chin on. Um, she's been with bands in the past, did back backup for KMFDM. She, she does her own thing, Meg Lee, Meg Lee Chin, three words. Uh, she's going to kill me for that. And um, she does. She did her own, she has her own album. She has a new album out now, and very strong female. And she toured with Pigface back in the day, when I say the day, early 2000s when oh, wow. they, all the industrial artists got together and they would just jam and make these albums. Well, she's one of them. We've had Ruby on in the past too. Uh, Leslie Rankin, she, she did backup singing for them. And she has her, if you want great music by a very strong female, number one, go back and listen to the Ruby episode that we did. It's about two years ago. Um, and we, she was phenomenal. That's Leslie Rankin, Ruby. The album is called Ruby. The first one, um, 
uh, forget that's I forget the album title. Shoot, uh, Salt Peter, such a great strong female presence, and I hear she has a new one coming out. But anyway, Meg Lee Chin is going to be on our next episode, and um, I'm going to go out with one of her tunes because I think you'll appreciate it, and you should look her up. If you want to talk about strong women, you and her would probably talk for about eight hours and never get tired. Uh, I'm telling you, she's great. But um, let's see here. I did have at least one more thing for you. Well, quite a few things, actually, but we won't get into all of them. We'll do a part two someday. Why don't you plug your stuff right now, uh, Lexi? Where do, uh, sure. Yeah, where do we find you? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter, um, Lexi uh, underscore Carver. And I'm also on uh, Tumblr uh, on the blog Roxy Davenport because I started out as a, as a role player um, ah. who also role played Crowley. Um, and I also have my own website, LexiCarver.com as well. Um, and on my website, you can actually, um, buy my books. It'll send you directly to Amazon where you can also search for my book, both into the dark and a fine day for murder are out on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. Very cool. Um, yeah, I tried to add you on Facebook. I didn't know if I had the right Lexi Carver though. Um, yeah, you're not, you don't use it a lot. Um, I, I mean, I'm a Lexi Carver, the horror writer, but I don't use it as much. I'm mainly on um, Twitter, to be honest with okay. you. Oh, right. and I'm also trying to schedule um, book tours, so I'm probably going to be at a lot of cons. Nice. Yeah, man. They're, oh, they're so much fun. Got to make it out to the Pittsburgh area. Again, I'm from the New York area, but Pittsburgh, um, as far as cons, are so much fun and abundant and lucrative, uh, depending on which ones you go to. They're, uh, the Living Dead Weekend is my favorite. And okay. that's out in Evan City. I just did that one. And you definitely have a good time there. Talk about meeting nice people. You meet the best people at horror cons. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. You've done a few already? I've, I've uh, been a guest in a few. So this is the first time I'm going to actually be like a, um, you know, like a panelist because I've just attended as, you know, just a regular person. That, yeah. uh, does that, that see that, that that's nerve wracking to me. I, I had to break myself in a few times. Um being in front of a, an audience, you know, and, and being a nobody. I was a nobody, you know. Now at least people kind of recognize me. Uh, not always. And some of them actually own some of my writing, maybe. Uh, but it, it, that was uh, how you don't have a fear of getting in front of that crowd? Um, well, I oh, I acted in college. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm really nervous before something. But once I'm actually doing it, I'm not nervous anymore. It's a weird kind of thing. No, I can tell. <laughs> How do I know? Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Very natural. Um, let's see. We're going to leave them with this. I want to see uh, when you got published the first time, like, uh, was it an email, a phone call? Uh, explain the feeling you got. Um, well, I actually um, did the layout for the books myself, and I did everything myself. So I, um, I was actually published on Halloween. And I was super excited because I love Halloween. It's like my favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. And um, I've written these, you know, a long time. It's been a long time coming, these stories. Um, And so I felt such a level of of accomplishment. And I was so excited and happy. And I actually, even though I don't drink, I had champagne. (laughs) And I went out with my friends and I just celebrated um, until four in the morning. <laughs> so we had, uh, a lot of fun on Halloween. So it was, it was really awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And man, that was just a couple of, I, that's probably when I met you, uh, sort of today I met you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. That was, that, that's so wild. Halloween release. Very cool. Very cool. Lexi yeah. Carver, this was uh, great to have met you. And again, I do this for myself. I'm a fan. 
and I just happen to have a lot of listeners, and that's nice. Um, folks, let Thanks us know. Let, let us know what you think of Lexi. Check out our stuff on our site, Lexi Carver. Not to be fooled. Um, you know what? That name, when you look it up or Google it, immediately you get Days of Our Lives, Lexi Carver. I guess they killed off a character recently, unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah, you get mixed into that real quick. So I had to, like, you know, put in writer, horror, fan fiction. You get her a lot. I, I noticed that you come up with fan fiction when I put yeah. Lexi Carter in. So Carver in. So, yeah, folks, if you want to search it that way. Um, again, find me on, on Twitter at Fairly Dark and get all my stuff, including all our back episodes of Kettle Whistle Radio at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. You can find my stuff there, too. I got more stuff coming and announcements on that some other time. Um, and Lexi, do you have anything else you want to say to these folks? Um, no, I'm just really excited. Um, thank you so much for inviting me and guys check out my book and, uh, hope to see you all at a convention soon. I think you will. I think you will. All right, folks, friends and fiends. Thanks for listening. We're going to go out with Meg Lee Chin. Tune into the next episode to listen to her. And this is her new one actually. And, uh, just look her up. She's got a few YouTube things there. I guess she has an album coming out, and this is off the demo. Meg Lee Chin, next time, and that could be in two weeks from now, maybe a week. All right? And again, Lexi Carver, thank you so much for joining the Kettle Whistle Radio family, and we hope to hear from you again. Thank you.
There, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab, an electric cast production. See you there. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.